too soon. You could. <laughs> I haven't even finished. I haven't even finished my monologue yet, yeah. and you're segueing. He hasn't got to a point. You're, you're getting to get on your little it. segue. You're saying you're bored with Scott already. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Scott, that's great. On to you, Ray. Hello and welcome to another telecoms.com podcast. Uh, just a reminder that if you're streaming the podcast via SoundCloud or iTunes, you can also watch the video on the site and vice versa. If you're watching the video, you can stream it on SoundCloud or iTunes. This week, I'm lucky enough to be the filling in a light reading sandwich. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I've got no Jamie, but I've got Ray and Ian here instead. No <laughs> Well, quite. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> producer Pierre. Are you, are you joining in now? Do we need another camera for you? Excuse me. He's the mayo on the side. Yes, indeed. He's the French dressing. Anyway, um, uh, so this week we're going to talk about uh, funding fibre, Vodafone's investments in Germany, among others. We're going to talk about Apple's grand ambitions and how it wants you to spend £1,000 on its latest phone. And lastly, we're going to talk about lots of clouds, specifically distributed ones. So we'll start off with you, Ian. Um, Vodafone splashing the cash on fibre in Germany. Tell us why we should care. Well, it, it's quite a big investment. It's um, two, two billion euros they're planning to spend over the next four years, I think. Um, I mean, they, they've made quite a big push on uh, high-speed services in Germany, Vodafone. They've sort of um, already, already claimed to be offering about 500 megabits per second wow. to two and a half million households. So they've really kind of taken that high-speed battle to Deutsche Telekom uh, and Deutsche Telekom has carried on losing market share very, very slowly, but right. it's carried on losing market share to, sort of to, to, to cable on. operators, oh, okay. generally speaking, uh, of which of which um, Vodafone is now the biggest following its takeover of, of Kabul Deutschland. So this week they've said they're going to invest uh, two billion euros over the next four years. And there's sort of three elements to the plan. One is to uh, sort of boost speeds to yeah. uh, residential properties. So that's about 12.6 million homes, I think. Inevitably, I seem to remember there was talk of gigabit. So, yeah, that's so the, the idea is to, to get those speeds up to sort of gigabit levels. It. Basically, you're not a real man unless, unless you've got, you, you got a gigabit network. service. Yeah. And then there's, a, there's a, a, a component of it which is very much aimed at addressing business customers in uh, sort of science parks. Okay. Uh, and they've, they've said they'll work with a, a, a fibre to the premises specialist called... Deutsch Glasfager, I think it's pronounced. It's uh, easy for you that. to say. I'll have a pint of that. <laughs> yep. um, which is interesting because it, it sort of um, makes you think about the, the sort of moves that Vodafone might make in, in certain other markets, such as the UK, for instance, where there's been long been speculation about um, about it doing something on the, on the fibre to the premises front. Right. But it's but it's always kind of grumbled about, you know, access to open yeah. or not been, a, not been able to, to get app access in the way they that They had another moan, I think, this week maybe about they did. Yeah. 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 They, yeah. yeah, so in the same week they've sort of been complaining a bit about BT. And then the other the other sort of third element of the uh, the, the German plan is to kind of actually have new, new rollout in, in rural areas. Um, so so it's, it's quite a substantial investment and it's it would also help, the, the, I mean, the one thing that's really interesting about it, I guess, is Helping to provide the, the kind of backhaul that you need for yeah. for these high speed. I you know, say that's probably the number one reason the they're most, doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is, is the term five G going to the term five G didn't creep its way into the? I mean, it was not right. mentioned at all in the press release, but I think that is certainly you know, as, as Ray says, possibly the most important it's aspect of the all elephant this, really. in the room. Yeah. So, so you use those FTTP investments to 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 support your backhaul strategy, and and what they've the, the problem they've had. Um, uh, up till now in Germany is that they've not been able to um, they've not been able to get access to Deutsche Telekom's 
uh, fiber networks okay. on terms that they that they want. So similar so they've, similar they've, problem to UK. Similar, very similar to here. Right. Yeah. And and they've they've relied very heavily on microwave in Germany, as I understand it. Right. Which um, various analysts think is not going to be up to the challenge. Microwave backhaul. Microwave backhaul. Right. Yeah. In Italy and Germany, Vodafone's used a lot of microwave backhaul, and the trouble with microwave is that when 5G comes along, it's probably not going to be, not going to be good enough. There are people who disagree yeah. with that, but, um, but that would be the microwave. That would sellers. be the microwave people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so yeah, Ray, you, you were just sort of talking about the the backhaul part of it, and 5G's coming. So it's all very well offering these great sort of over-the-air speeds, but if you can't support it sort of all the way back to the internet it's yeah it's like having a you know uh, an incredible home wi-fi network where you're connecting from your tv tablet and laptop and phones at you know 500 megabits a second and then you've got a dial-up connection out yeah. of your home it's completely pointless so um but i think the operators like vodafone are going about it the right way they are stressing and highlighting the immediate um, customer benefits of having the fiber, yeah. which is uh, the faster broadband. But at the end of the day, they have to make this investment at some point. I think Vodafone's been clever. It's found local partners to help in the construction, which is often it's always the operational and process side of it that's real the real pain in uh, the backside uh, for these kind of uh, projects. And you know, at the over the course of the next three years, um, every single mobile operator is going to have to do something of the same ilk. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be a lot of money spent on fiber. And I, in fact, I think the fiber manufacturers, the the cornings of this world, are all already reaping the benefits. Indeed. No, I was just uh, writing about that as well. There was, um, there was another conference at which the CEO of Verizon was talking about various bits and bobs. And he was asked about, you know, about a year ago, they were, they were going to do some massive amount of M&A, maybe with uh, Chartered or something like that in the US. And he's, uh, he's sort of going, nah, I've gone off all that now. I don't fancy big cable M&A. Instead, we're going we're gonna to lay our own cable. Um, and they, they made some announcement earlier on this year, didn't they, where they were going to spend about a zillion dollars with Corning, specifically, on fiber. So uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of that fiber talk, and I'm sure I'm sure you're right, Ray. Initially, um, you have to sort of say that the short term benefit is look at look at all this lovely bandwidth, and and you can download um, Game of Thrones in Super HD in one nanosecond, and isn't that I great? I can't wait. Yeah, but yeah, it's just got to be done. I suppose the only the only question that occurs to me is, are we going to have lots and lots of parallel networks? Um, if, if all the operators are investing in this fibre, are we going to have that sort of inefficiency? Or are they going to find some way of all having a whip round, having one great big network for everyone? Well, there's, there are various schools of thought on that whole, you know, there's the, there's the sort of um, neutral host, I guess it, it gets called sometimes, model where you have one yeah. network and everybody uses it, but you you eliminate infrastructure competition basically you have to differentiate yourself in, in yes. other ways on tariffs and do what insurance companies do and did somebody mention customer service or no. customer service yeah perhaps um i think we'll have a mix i think there'll be multiple networks but not a network for every operator yeah and the advent of network slicing will enable network sharing over fiber um in a, in a lot uh, easier and more secure fashion but in much the same way as some mobile operators currently share the passive infrastructure, the mobile towers, and some don't, yeah. I think we'll end up with the same position with fibre. 
Yeah. And that's my school. Another, yeah. I mean, what's interesting is, you know, one one thing that you've seen happen in, in the US is the rise of these kind of tower co's, which are also becoming fiber co's now, like Crown Castle, snapping up fiber assets and right. buying small cell um, companies. I was talking to um, Bruno Jakob Feuerborn, the CTO of Deutsche Telekom. Okay, you're yeah. on fire with the old yeah. German yeah. today, aren't you? Yeah. Good skills. Earlier yeah. this year, Count and he, to ten. Go he on. said he thinks one one thing we'll see happening in Europe in the next few years is the emergence of fiber codes and tower codes, as we've right. seen in the US, as, as and as 5G comes along, because that's the only way it's going to be economically feasible, which is which is. But but they still got to get the the investment and the cash and and sort of be willing to sort of roll those dice. I think we all agree it's massively capital intensive thing it is so you just got to find the the investors who are who are prepared to to have a, a return on that investment that's longer than three nanoseconds yes yeah. so sort of uh, middle eastern sovereign wealth funds, sovereign wealth funds pension funds yeah. they, they like investments like that because it's a dependable return on investment See that that will buy a football team yeah. yeah okay fair enough um <laughs> one other thing that occurs to me with with the need for all this talkie uh, united <laughs> talkie united or some fiber mm. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> or a bit of both. Um, content. So you were talking earlier about if um, if everyone's sharing the same network, e- either if it's because they've all sort of had a whip round and built it together, or because it's through one of these um, independent sort of infrastructure owning companies, then y- you know you made a good point in that that means that they've got to find other ways of differentiating. Um, and Ray said maybe customer service, although perhaps with a degree of cynicism as they haven't got an awesome track record in that area. Can only get better. Well, quite. I think that's a good point. But uh, when? <laughs> it's going to be any hurry. Some point in the near future. There we go. And one other one that occurs to me, and this sort of slightly bit of a tangent overlaps another thing that's been going on this week, which is a, a, a broadcasting trade show over in Amsterdam, is content. We On telecoms, Jamie's been over there in Amsterdam. That's why he's not here now. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, presumably he's exactly. Uh, presumably he's definitely he's making lots of money. He's definitely reporting and not in any way skinning up. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, content. So you know, we got we've got like in, in the states we've got AT and T and Verizon investing content in here. We got BT buying up some football, all that sort of thing. Um, and and that's that's been quite in vogue for a while as a possible way of differentiating of adding a bit of value of getting a bit of margin and all that sort of thing and of course if everyone's going to be now constantly streaming um, everything in HD hence yet another need for these sort of big pipes that we were just talking about with this fibre investment I'm just wondering um, two of you I'll start with uh, Ian content as a sort of core part of of an operator's strategy going forward do you think they're barking up the right tree there? Well, I, th- I think they need it because uh, ev- everybody's doing it. So if you don't, you're going to lose out in the end. And we see what's happened in the UK, where you know Sky's come from the TV market and into the broadband and, t- and, and telephony sectors, mm-hmm. and so it sort of forced BT to to kind of do something. And you see that dynamic, I think, happening in a lot of European markets where you've right. got cable TV companies and companies that have come from the sort of telecom sector. But I mean, I'm, I'm dubious about. I think they can do a good job of being. Uh, content distributors and, and try and focus on things like customer services and, and getting the packages right, as Ray was saying. But in terms of actually developing their own content and, and producing content, I just think that's. Yeah. I think they're sort of uh, they're never going to they're never going to play a, a big part in that in that yeah. sort of area. Really, I'm, I'm, I'm dubious about that. I suppose the Netflixes and the Amazons of this world now, what yeah. they're doing, I just I don't see telcos really being able to to stand so up there, it, partnering with those companies. Yeah. So. But, 
yeah, have a content strategy based around building a an ecosystem of content partners, but don't try and make it yourself. No. No, it does. I mean, you know, you make a good point. Don't, don't be a dilettante in it unless you've got a ton of cash. Because, of course, Amazon, 10 years ago, someone had gone, Amazon's going to be a big content player. Don't be silly. They're good for sort of sending me CDs and that's about it. Yeah. Um, but then they have got a hell of a lot of cash. Yeah. So they can afford to make, make a big bet. Yeah. Uh, and there's not many others <clears throat> that can. Well, well the thing that the, I suppose some of the operators have made a big bet on is sports. You know, yeah. come with, I mean, BT particularly is driven up the uh driven up the the kind of sums yeah. that get spent on on sports rights and uh, particularly premiership football don't um, they made a compelling argument quite, for the roi on on that no i mean i think there's always a lot of a lot of analysts always ask about that is does this make sense this uh, strategy of, of forking out billions for you know for rights to screen the the, mm. the premier league or you um, could just do a massive acquisition like at&t with time or there's a, yeah yeah but there's not so too many of those there's not there's not many yeah, there's no one really in a position to do that kind of thing apart from AT&T. Do you think Ray, AT&T will get sort of a good return on that investment, that acquisition? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, shall we? Um, Time will tell. Very much so. <laughs> it's it's an impossible question to answer. Oh, sorry. I would say I would say that uh, if I had to bet money, I would say no. Right, that'll do. I, I think the strategy itself is a little bit odd in a way. I mean, because I've talked a lot about... When when it was first announced that deal, it was it was doing things like they made this big big thing about mobile TV and being able to have Game of Thrones on on yeah. your on your on your smartphone. What are people going to do when Game but, of Thrones is finished? Yeah, well, I'm struggling. Just waiting for the next season, if I'm honest. <laughs> just sitting there twiddling you got, you my thumbs every evening, staring out the window longingly. <laughs> people will have to go back referring to um, Bergerac or. <laughs> Just because you're from the, the Channel British Island. Bake Off, or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> I that does lead me to sort of my second subject a little bit, um, which is Apple. Um, you've been made some big announcements recently. One reason there's a sort of segue there is lots of people been wondering whether Apple's going to spend any money on original content. One, you know, we we're saying how not many people got the cash to do these things, but Amazon was one of them. Of course, Apple's cash makes Amazon's look like a drop in the ocean. I think the last look, they had about two hundred and sixty billion dollars mm. just sitting there. Yeah, what are they going to do with it all? They they don't like spending money. Yeah, well, they? I mean, there's all sorts of issues regarding sort of repatriating. I think about ninety percent of it is held abroad. Yeah, and they've been trying to work out how they can bring it back to the U.S. without paying a ton of cash, and they obviously haven't resolved that. Um, I think Trump was originally making some noises about it, but like with so many of his noises, it seems to have come to nothing. Um, but anyway, they got lots of money. It's not a core competence of theirs. Um, perhaps when Jobs was around, they could, because he used to be on the board of Disney or something like that. He got some idea about these things. Um, but uh, anyway, the, back to that that announcement. Um, the big announcement was this new iPhone um, which costs a lot of money, but a lot of people were wondering whether they'd make a content announcement just to sort of finish that tangent. No, they didn't. They didn't make any content announcements at all. And the, the only Apple TV thing was ramping up to about f supporting 4K, yeah. and that was about it. And I was like, okay, jolly good. So, but back to the phone. The most contentious thing about the phone, certainly from my point of view and a lot of other people's, was the price. So uh, this is the new sort of, you know, the way uh, smartphone analysts segment these things is by sort of price tier. And Apple's always dominated the premium price tier. 
and then the sort of next price tier down is I don't know sub premium or whatever. And there you got people like the you got things like the Galaxy S8 and and other ones. But they've sort of seemed to have created a whole new tier even above that, which I think analysts are calling super premium. And presumably after that, we'll have ultra and hyper and mega and whatever. I am rich market. Yes, well, quite. We've um, had that though, haven't we? What's that? That the. The, the phones that cost 18 grand. Right, yes. That brand that the um, Nokia failed. One. Yeah. yeah. The brand that failed. God, I've forgotten the name of it now. It's began with Vertu. V. There we are, Vertu. Didn't yeah. need Google for that. Go you. I bet, I bet you had one. <laughs> That's it. It just exploded my last brain cell. Yeah, they weren't even smartphones. They were feature phones that just had sort of gratuitous diamonds embedded in them Yeah. for the very conspicuous consumer. But they were like sort of 20 grand. By comparison, this one's a bargain. This this iPhone X sort of super premium one, but it does come in uh, the most. In a way, it's brave of Apple. You call it brave if they weren't so avaricious, but uh, they've come in at a grand at the starting point. So you can't nine hundred ninety nine, of course, inevitably. So you can't buy one for less than a grand. Uh, and then, of course, they charge. You know, they, for increments of storage, for example, they charge a huge amount. Um, I'm pretty sure that, that, that flash storage costs very little wholesale, but they charge about sort of 100 quid for each Why end. do you need all that storage anyway? Can't you just put it on the cloud? Well, there is that. I mean, I personally, speaking for myself, as a parent, I like to have the reassurance of having at least one iPad with a ton of movies on it, which is basically a great way of getting my kids to shut up for very prolonged periods of time. So that's my answer to that question. Uh, and of course, as we all know, that's a good move then. As we all know, as telecoms journalists, you can't always rely on connectivity when you're talking about everything being in the cloud, much as we'd love to. So there's nothing like having it stored there. Anyway, that's that's my personal choice. You you, you stick with the cloud if you want. Mm. I was um, looking to segue into Ray's chat about the distributed cloud. Well, too soon. Too soon. You could. <laughs> I haven't even finished. I haven't even finished my monologue yet, yeah. and you're segueing. He hasn't got to a point. You're, You're getting get on your little it. segue. You're saying you're bored with Scott already. <laughs> yeah, anyway, Scott, that's great. On to you, Ray. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, cut a long story short, grand, that's a lot, isn't it, Ian? It is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Would you shell out a grand on the phone? No, I think it's, it's, it's quite cynical and it shows... I mean, I was just a bit underwhelmed by, by the whole announcement because it seems that people are they're expecting people to spend a lot more money for not very much more, really. Yeah. They're, they're, you weren't impressed by any of the new features? Well, there don't seem to be very many. The main right. one that everybody's focused on is facial recognition. Yeah. But to, as a consumer, that doesn't Nightmare really sound Nightmare for identical very... twins. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, it's identical twins. I mean, why does a consumer care about facial recognition that you can unlock your phone by looking at it instead of putting a finger on it? Um, I so think you don't have to lift a finger quite literally it's easier maybe yeah, yeah except that you've still got then got to sort of angle it right towards yeah. your face and that sort of thing I think I, the, mean, I don't think that's the sort of thing that's going to get people very excited to be honest well it clearly hasn't got you very excited maybe next you'll be able to speak to your phone and wake it up yeah well that, that should be something you can do already I think one of the reasons was supposed to be so that it could have this completely sort of sheer front face yeah. so without a button on it and all that sort of thing. The button, which I'm not sure is a great idea. No, either. well, that's because now you can't do the fingerprint ID, which I've got used to on this Galaxy S7 yeah. I've got. So that's quite handy. So some analysts have said, well, um, people might be worried about using facial recognition because yeah. of the security side of it. I'm, I'm not really sure that they would if they've, they've didn't have any problems using their fingerprints. But uh, 
Yeah, and, but, and but if you be... do want to use your fingerprint, you can't because they've got rid of that feature. Well, that's, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's one of my sort of reservations. Apple tends to be a bit unilateral, a bit dictatorial about these things. Yeah. Go. Well, we've decided got rid of the got rid yeah. of the the three point five millimeter socket. Right. For plugging we've decided that in. you don't want, you don't want to use a headphone jack and you don't want to use fingerprint recognition. That this is for the best. Just just be quiet and give us your yeah. grand. And, and then other than that, there's not a lot of of, of innovations as far as I can see. There's there's tweaks and improvements yeah. to things like camera functionality. I know that it's edge to edge now. The Display yeah. and the, and the OLED but display is I mean, apparently is as, really, as a component is about a hundred dollars more. It's costing them. Yeah, like it doesn't wholesale. doesn't do anything really dazzling that you would. Right, well, look, I just think the fourth wall's being broken again by producer Pierre. <laughs> augmented reality. What does it do for augmented reality, Pierre? Or are you well, just going to chuck that buzzword in for a laugh? The AR kit. AR kit. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. But that but that applies across all the phones. So it's still yeah. it's not a strong one to to justify the the grand um i think the other problem is that it just shows the. i mean the iphone's been their most successful product i guess um just a bit yeah, yeah. And, and they're still they're still they're just to me it seems like they need something new and yeah. they've failed to do that the apple watch has been a bit of a, a bit of a failure i think well, they have got something new they've got a new price that everybody's talking about mm. they have, well, i don't think yeah. it's brave i'm not so sure it's cynical i think it's just economics I think that they have obviously have a lot of people who have examined the elasticity of demand for the iPhone, and they've decided that they can ramp the price up massively to a grand. And people and, will buy it. And yeah. the decrease in the demand for that phone will not match the increase in the price, and they will make more money. Yeah, no doubt. End of. Yeah, yeah I, I suspect. I suspect you're right. I think the initial response from anecdotal response, quite a lot of people, is that's just too much. Because it's a sort of threshold, it's psychological. Actually, the difference between nine and fifty quid. These and are the same people that, that will probably go. Oh, I, all right then. Exactly. I was one. just going to lead up to that point myself. Oh, I think. Sorry. You're, well, what does it mean? <laughs> no, for, no, it's fine. It's showing. But, it's showing that we agree. But I guess the important thing is how these, how people buy these devices, because you know we've been used to. Yeah. Very very expensive device. Nobody goes out and spends six hundred pounds on a on a smartphone. You know, I have an iPhone, even though I'm moaning about the new one. Right. Uh, and it's I don't know what it's what it costs the iPhone six. It's five hundred, right. is it the factory price? But you don't do that. You go you go and get a very expensive tariff. You know, and yeah. and, and and even now those tariffs are coming down all the time. So it looks a lot better yeah. than it did. Hence the marketing that's already started. Get your iPhone eight for zero dollars. Yeah. Up front, but what does it mean for the operators? You know, that's that's the yeah. Well, I, I suspect for something like the um, X, or I think Apple wants us to pronounce it ten, which is why I'm going to pronounce it X just to annoy yeah. them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think uh, yeah. Uh, you'll probably get a you've got to get on a sixty quid a month tariff, and you've got to whack out three hundred quid up front as well. Type right. of thing uh, will be how they do it. But yeah, yes, not I looked mean, at what the, what is being offered. For I don't know if anybody's come out with their pricing plans around it or their tariffs. No, in fact, that, those there were some press releases about it today, but I couldn't be bothered to read them. I might have to go back to that. That was so the one way you can get it for zero. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Zero. I think it might have been zero Swiss francs. Right. So is it going to hit? Is it going to hit operator margins? The well, they're always X. they're always moaning about um, the cost of subsidy, but they've never done anything about it because they know it's a big driver. So I've always found the moaning by operators on on the cost of subsidies a bit disingenuous. Mm. They yeah you know, years ago there were a few people tried I think in Spain one of the operators just unilaterally went nah we're not we're not subsidising it at all you got to pay separate for the for the tariff and for the phone and then they lost loads of business and they went all right we'll go back to it then. and it's pretty much as simple as that I think 
Um, but yes, I, do you know, I think I think Ray's right. I think people will moan and then they'll secretly sort of raid their piggy bank and they'll find the cash. I think one the other thing that's interesting, and the, that's the only reason I mean it's brave, is someone had to cross that threshold to four figures. And of course it would be Apple. And I'm sure you're right, they've done their sums and they'll, it'll probably pay off massively. One way it could backfire, though, is the other ones, the eights. So um, it also launched the eight and the eight plus at oh. the same time. Um, as well as this X. Uh, and who's going to want to buy an 8 when there's this X sitting there that's much shinier and bigger and more expensive? You're going to feel like a bit of a loser with an 8, aren't you? That would be me then. <laughs> no offence, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of losers. In especially the if they do what Ray's just said and if you can get this thing for, for, for zero you know, up front. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Maybe the, maybe the calculation about demand elasticity is that no operators, you know, this operators are desperate to offer Apple iPhones, and they've shown in the past they're yeah. willing to subsidise these things to, yeah. to, you know, to the max, and um, and and they carry a cost for that. They it has an impact on their margins, but they think they get the money back. They get the money back in the long run. Yeah, you don't feel too sorry for them, then, do you? No, what? <laughs> <laughs> what the struggling Apple empire? <laughs> no, the operators. Oh, who the struggling. Well, the struggling. It. I mean, the let's. Let's you know. Let's face it. How many operators are losing money hand over fist and about to go out of business? Name me one. Um, not off the top of my head. No. That's because they're not. They're all making loads of money still. So, so stop moaning. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you on that. One last point I'll make about the um, that that point about the eights maybe not being so attractive. Samsung has a similar thing. Their their Note range and they've they've shown some guts by sticking with the Note after the last one kept blowing up. Um, they launched them about six months apart, the Note ones, which are like the sort of super high-end, phablet, larger, more expensive ones. And they're not actually, while, while we're all dissing Apple for charging a grand, the Note's about 950 or something like that. It's not that much less. Um, but they have them six months apart. So I think there's less of a risk of the Note overshadowing the main phone than there is for Apple. But then if the numbers come out for Apple and it's selling an absolute shitload of all of them, then I'm just talking rubbish, aren't I? So we'll see. On that note, before I talk even more I'm rubbish. I'm sure we won't come back to it in six months' time. Yes, indeed. Um, that's what I always counted on as an analyst. That's no, right. No one ever yeah, remembers yeah. what you said. No, no, nobody ever looked back at a forecast. <laughs> exactly. Um, so your segue at last that you tried so to st- impose cloud. on us. Right. Um, uh, yes, lots of clouds, I'm calling this. Ray, you're calling it distributed cloud. You've got a bee in your bonnet about a distributed cloud at the moment. Not so much a bee in the bonnet. I just think we've reached the point now where we're going to start hearing a lot more about this topic. I mean, it's been creeping up on us, um, whether you call it distributed cloud or whether you call it edge computing, mobile edge computing, whether you call it FOG, which is a term well, Multi-access like. edge computing. Well, I, I beg your pardon, multi-access edge computing. But the, um, the integration of IT storage and networking assets locally yep. um, when in a metro area um, I think is something that we are about to, in the same way this, we are seeing investments and we'll see investments from mobile operators in fibre because they have to make it and they will need to make it. I think over the starting in 2018 I reckon we'll start to see announcements about how central offices are actually going to be um, uh, or rebuilt or revamped into effectively mini data centres that always have also have networking equipment in them and this will be the start of the distributed cloud and ultimately when we do get to that 5G era 
the street furniture, which is a term I love. Um, only because I like to think of myself sitting in a sofa while getting run over <laughs> by, by a Land Rover. Like some but, kind um, of tramp. That's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> so now, now you sent me back to my youth. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the distributed cloud um, is going to be one of the main enablers of whatever you want to call it, 5G, 4.9G, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that services and that communications and that digital revolution will not happen without it. The big question at the moment, and I'll just leave it at this, is who's actually going to build that distributed yeah, cloud? Pay for it. The telcos have the opportunity because they already have some of the assets that can start that revolution. But if they fanny about for too long, um, then somebody else will do it. A Google or an Amazon or the people who are companies or organizations that already own the physical assets that could be used to house essentially that distributed cloud because you still have to put some x86 hardware and some yeah. storage somewhere someone will do it what's, someone will do it first and what's, what's holding the operators back at the moment is it the investment case for this <laughs> they're thinking about it but it requires a huge capital outlay to yeah, get this. Yeah, but I think uh, that, I mean, they're thinking about it hard. And yes, of course, there, is, there will be huge capital outlay, but the, you know, and this is where the, the, the ROI needs to be looked at very long term. And that is very hard when you're publicly listed, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the potential to become, to own and be the main player in that distributed cloud means that the opportunity for adjacent new revenues to be developed and new services and new lines of business is is astronomical. Is, mean, it the, is it the sort of thing that the the internet giants like Google would look to do? They're to, already to starting be, to, to do yeah. those distributed cloud. I mean, cloud. Google Fiber wasn't about providing home broadband. Yeah. No, and, and of course, they're the ones that are the experts at building bloody great big data centers. So, so the, Using white box yeah. hardware. So they know how to do that efficiently. It yeah, it's all yeah. about process. That's yeah. what it's about. So they've got that covered, but in principle, the, the sort of more telco-oriented companies would have the, the networking side of it covered. And they have the real estate. Google does not have the real right. estate. People used to refer to telcos as real estate companies that provided communication services. Right. And most of them still have that like real estate. Uh, the central, central offices, they're great yeah. big buildings, massive buildings right. in, the, in, the, in, in every town. So this is what Cord's all about, yeah? Partly. Absolutely, yeah. So this is the start um, of the, that central office as a uh, Re-architected uh, re re as a data center. As a data there we go. How does that overlap with what Etsy's doing with 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 Mech and what what's going on with Fogkin? It Seems like there's lots of people coming at this from different directions. All yeah, with their own it's, acronym. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's not really all tied together just yet. But I think even last year when you and I were at the what was then the Mobile Edge Computing uh, event in Germany. Um, there was a little bit of talk about uh, uh, around cord then, and I expect that when we're back at that event in a couple of weeks' time, that there'll be a lot more about it because obviously uh, that whole uh, uh, distributed cloud, um, you know, the 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 rearchitecting of those data centres is going to be an integral part in it, uh, especially now as mobile. There are very few pure mobile operators around. Um, and in five years' time, they hardly there, there won't be any. Uh, they'll all be part. They'll either have built or developed or acquired their own fixed line assets, or vice versa. Yeah. So they'll be looking to do. You know, I mean, Vodafone now is a massive cable operator, yeah. 
And this fibre that it's putting in isn't just to do backhaul or just to do broadband, it's to do all of it. It's an integrated it's an integrated architecture and that's what we're going to see in this whole distributed cloud will be part of that integrated architecture and eventually the network will become a computer that's that's where we're headed and this came up a bit didn't it at Ovum's event this week uh, the digital futures event where I think Marcus Weldon of, of Nokia was talking about the need I mean a lot of the claims that get made about 5G in terms of low latency and yeah. um, and how important that is to things like connected car services and certain other vertical market opportunities that get talked about. Yeah. You, you can't get that latency unless you kind of re-architect the network. Exactly. Do you, you know how far this. light travels in one millisecond? Tell me. 100 kilometres. Kilo- oh. 100 kilometres. 100 kilometres. 10 kilometres. God, I, I dropped we a We even zero. spoke about it in front of the camera. I know, that was days ago. <laughs> I've forgotten. So that, 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 was, that was one of uh, Marcus Weldon's points. Physics matters. Is, uh, yeah, physics matters. And if, if we're going to, you know, the other thing that, that's going to be a big deal about 5G is this very low latency, which enables things like remote control and virtual reality and, and all, that, all that sort of clever stuff. Um, and you just physically can't do that if the signal has got to tra- travel over thousands of kilometers. It will take longer than a millisecond. So that was another driver. Yeah, for this without that distributed cloud. cloud, you could be throwing up everywhere when you don your three sixty degree yeah. VR headset. Yeah. yeah, that was a cool thing actually. Um, that he he did that demonstration on stage that's showing that one of the things because apparently the human brain can only react to things in, uh, in about a hundred milliseconds, which is what he said was one of the reasons why that's always been the latency in the past. Um, but one thing that we can do much quicker than that is the adjustment that your eye makes. If you move your head around, and I'm looking at you and my eye stays fixed on you. If you think about it, that actually requires some kind of processing in your brain to tell me to keep my eyes fixed on you, and apparently that that neurological That's why getting thing. drunk is so much fun. Yeah. That's true, actually. Maybe, maybe just... Discombobulates just, you. Maybe just VR without the right latency is just a cheap way of getting pissed. That's true. There's a thought for the day. Yes, well, that's probably a good one to end it on. Isn't it? Not so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, on that note, we're all off to put on VR headsets for the evening. <laughs> well, you might be. I'll go to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, thanks for listening. Join us for the next one. <laughs>